Uh, today I'm going to continue the series on royal uh, priesthood. Uh, last week uh, we read the scripture that was from 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and we've seen that Peter was writing this uh, to the Christians in dispersion uh, who were uh, there was going to be impending persecution and he was reminding them of their salvation, their suffering and their service. Okay, I'll repeat it again. Uh, their salvation, which is imperishable, it's a living hope. And then the next thing we looked at, there is suffering coming because in this world there will be tribulations, but be of good cheer because Christ has said we have overcome them. And then we looked at the aspect of serving in the society, serving in the family. It is in that context Apostle Paul is writing and saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, uh, to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So I wanted to zoom in on that word, royal priesthood. Last week we looked at a biblical theology of priesthood. Before the, uh, the covenant at Mount Sinai, it was the parents who took responsibility uh, to be priests of the family, the fathers. You'd find the patriarchs wherever they went. One of the first things they did, they pitched their tent built an altar, pitched their tent and pitched an altar. So it's a good practice for us uh, to make your homes a place of worship. And the other thing we noticed also is that how Job uh, uh, offered sacrifices just after his children have had a, a big party uh, or they had regular parties just in case perhaps if they've done something they shouldn't he was an intercessor. You get the picture there? So uh, the thing is, before the, the, that covenant at Mount Sinai, it was the parents that took responsibility. And it's a good principle if you're a parent to pray for your children. Okay? And um, then we went on to see when God chose the children of Israel and the instituted uh, priesthood, uh, we found the priesthood came from the tribe of Levi and we looked who Levi was. He was the third son of Jacob and Leah. He was not a brilliant role model. He did things on a whim. He broke his promises and uh, yet God chose him. So that's a great message of hope. God does not choose you because you're nice. He doesn't choose you because you're clever. He sovereignly chooses you and he pours out his grace and mercy upon you. Well, when I stopped last week, it could be misunderstood. That means, oh, can I live anyhow? The answer is no. We can see that Levi not only got chosen, you will see over the coming weeks that he actually is uh, cleansed, clothed, and called into service. We'll look at that over the next few weeks. Okay? 
So uh, uh, today what we're going to be uh, looking at is we're going to be looking at Exodus where God enters into a relationship with the nation of Israel and in particular uh, preparing the scene for the priesthood. Okay. So God made a promise to a man called Abraham and changed his name latterly to Abraham and to his wife Sarah, who becomes Sarah, and uh, uh, this change of name always denotes a change of relationship. Have you ever wondered why when you get married you take your husband's surname? Yeah? The tradition comes from the aspect of the aspect that it denotes a change of relationship. I'm moving from my parental house to set up my own home and this is my home and my husband is going to be the patriarch, if you like, or the head of that home. So keep that in mind. So God is saying to Abraham and Isaac, I've changed your name, I'm changing your circumstance, I'm changing the relationship, how we're going to relate. And what did he say about Abraham? A friend of God. That's amazing, isn't it? Too? Sometimes we just go to church and do church and go back. But actually God is looking for deep, meaningful friendship with you where you can just come and call him daddy. My wife and I, I can't remember where we learned the story, but we heard the story. It was a story of a very aristocratic uh, civil servant in India who was a very busy man who sat behind a massive big desk during the colonial times and uh, he had this uh, pot of ink and paper and you have you can't just waltz into his room and he had a little daughter called Kicha that's what he called her you know maybe it's Longanish you know, like you you call something hey puppet or you know, whatever you call, you know. Yeah, so Kicha comes slowly and she peeps and looks at her dad sitting behind this big desk, very uh, dressed in very, uh, you, know, you know, very important person type dress. And he just drops his pen and he says, yes, Kicha, what can I do for you? That's a beautiful imagery I have. God is not too busy to listen to his children. He will stop and give you attention. When you're listened to, you feel loved. You feel valued. If anything, to go by Claire, the best present I can give her is undivided attention. And she loves it. I don't have to go to any big malls and spend lots of money. Just time. And she particularly likes it if I just shut my computer down or turn my phone upside down and say, yes, Claire. Okay. So God invited Abraham and Sarah into a special relationship and through him came Isaac and then Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. We said Levi was one of those uh, sons of Jacob. And the next thing is, they are, it's an amazing story, go and read the book of Genesis. They end up in Egypt by the predetermined plan of God. And they are there for 450 years 
and most part of it is not so nice. It's a very hostile setting. The Bible says at the right time, in the fullness of time, the children grew and multiplied in Egypt. And uh, they are going through very difficult circumstances and they're crying out to God and God in his appointed time uh, comes to set them free and he says, I've seen your difficulty, I've heard your cry when they're coming in. At the appointed time, he sends Moses, uh, one of the, uh, from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Levi had three sons and uh, uh, you have got, one of them is called uh, Kohath, and uh, he comes from that particular uh, tribe. Kohath, uh, Merari, um, and Gershom. Okay, Gershom first, Kohath in the middle, and Merari like your Ferrari, okay? Yeah. Okay. So from the Kohath tribe uh, comes uh, Moses, and Moses' brother is Aaron, his sister is Miriam. And through uh, Moses, he meets with Moses, he interacts with Moses. Moses has got plenty of excuses why he shouldn't do the job. Uh, but ultimately, God sends his brother Aaron, his older brother Aaron, to be with him and to be a spokesperson for him and to be a, communication, a communicator of the truth. They have now been set free. Passover is done. They are set free. They are making their journey. They have traveled for three months from Egypt and now they're at the base of Mount Sinai. And while they're at the base of Mount Sinai, they, God reveals his covenant and they hear the covenant they accept the covenant. So that's where we're going to pick up the story from today. Because otherwise we wouldn't, when we come to say about priests, it's like asking someone opening the bonnet of the car and pulling out one little thing and say, how does this fit in? Yeah, you need to be, have the rest of the background to know what this thing is. So that, today's text is going to come from Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to read the first few verses and then we'll explain a little bit. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Okay. For they had departed from Rephidim and come to the desert of Sinai, camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Verse 4. You have seen what I did, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isaiah picks up this word, you know. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon the wings like eagles. We sing that sometimes. You think, no, what's that all about? God's using poetically, I carried you. He's saying, I brought you out. I carried you. That's a beautiful imagery. 
uh, those of you who are parents or have had children or you nephews or nieces, you might have had the opportunity to carry little kids. Uh, you know, we used to, when our kids were little, we used to we say, have caught will travel. So we had a, a, a collapsible cot, we'll go for evening prayer meeting, home group, anywhere. We put them in somebody's, we put the cot in somebody's house and they go to sleep. And the, at the end of the thing, we have to carry them back and uh, clad very gentle and put them to sleep. They're grown up adults now. But really, it, it's a very comforting feeling. He carried them. And what did he do? He brought them to himself. It's important to notice that. We have been set free not to do anything anyhow, but to worship him to himself. He brought you out of the world unto himself. And that's what he's done. Okay, next bit. Now therefore, if you indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so Peter wasn't picking up this concept from thin air he's being absolutely biblical uh, he's being sound so it's always important for us not to preach your experience but to make sure your experience matches with scripture if not, I would say recalibrate, realign. It's good. Uh, scripture's a rule uh, of life. So you can, you know, so here you have God. He's saying that there will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words uh, which you shall speak to the children of Israel. There's the offer of the covenant, if you like. And the Moses called the elders laid before them these words that the Lord had commanded and all the people answered together all that the Lord has spoken we will do this is very much like a marriage service Moses the mediator like a priest officiating a wedding between the children of Israel and God if you like will you take this person I will this is exactly what's happening so if we don't understand this, sometimes we can just be say, oh, uh, I'm a Christian. No, no, no. It's a covenant relationship between you and God through Jesus Christ. He's your, Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says there's only one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. He paid the price and made it possible. Will you accept God as your father? It's a relationship. If we don't understand it, then we kind of do church for a little bit and then get, oh, you know, kind of bored with church. No, no, no. This, this is a family gathering where you come to meet based on what scripture says to gather together to worship him as a local family. So I'm going to, after this, uh,
God speaks to the uh, children of Israel, the terms of the covenant, that's where the Ten Commandments comes. You have it in Exodus 20, and then some extra laws in 21, and extra laws in 22, and in 23. So all this is happening when? In one single day, all this conversation is happening. And Moses is communicating this to the children of Israel, particularly to the elders and the children of Israel together have said, already they've said, yes, we will. Okay. Now we jump to chapter 24. In chapter 24, I'm going to pick it up from verse 1. It says, now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel and worship from afar. It's an invitation from God to come into his presence. Moses alone shall come near the Lord but they shall, but they shall not come near nor shall the people go with them. Moses got a special privileged position let me explain. Moses is a mediator who had gone into the presence of God except the one who came from God, Jesus. He makes it possible for us to go into the presence of God. He has already entered into God's throne room, if you like, to the Holy of Holies and he says, Father, I have completed the task you've given me and I have paid the price. That's why on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Say, fini. It is finished. For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one who had held people in bondage of sin. We might all think, oh, no, 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 I'm actually free. Man, I'm free, you know. I was at the University of Bristol, I mean University of the West of England, and um, one of the students asked me a question at the Thursday outreach sort of, yeah, day, what do you call it, the outreach, see you outreach on Thursdays, it happens anyway, yeah. So one of them said they are free, I said, we are not actually free, because I said, you go and express your freedom, before you know you're going to impinge upon somebody else's freedom, before you know either there's going to be chaos, you're going to be locked up because you, your freedom has impinged on other people's freedom. Freedom works within a certain context. Okay? And uh, it's important for us to know when we have been set free, the freedom or that liberty is to come before a holy God and to enjoy fellowship with him and with his family, to grow in his likeness, uh, yeah, it's, that's, the, that's the greatest of all privileges. Let's put it this way. I know each of you have got certain role models you might look up to. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you're from America, you might get invited, if you get invited to the White House and Joe Biden says, come and have tea with me, you think you'll send it all your messages, say, can I have a selfie, Joe? But if you invite to the Queen, it's a polite handshake and come and say, no selfies, okay? Official photographer. 
And then you put it up there. I, actually, uh, Phil Smith's son has met with the, Her Majesty the Queen. And he put the picture up in social media, actually. So yeah, so we take great pride. Here we have got invitation to come before the King of Kings. No appointment needed. He can not only hear you, but he can sort your problems out. Do we use that privilege? Now, when we're little Sunday school kids, we say, there's just be a song, say, uh, take it to the Lord in prayer. Are you cumbered with the Lord of care? Take it to the Lord in prayer. I want to encourage you, people of God, take things to God frequently, often, frankly, honestly. Some of the prayers I pray, I say, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what today holds. Help me. Come with me. I'm going to the gym. Come with me. I'm going to swim. Come with me. I'm going to the shops. Come with me. I'm going to cook for some friends. Come with me. I'm going to watch some YouTube. Come with me. If you invite him into every circumstance, then your behavior also will be accordingly. You wouldn't do things in front of the Queen or Joe Biden, would you? You'd behave a certain way. This is exactly what happened is when the children of Israel came out, he even gave them instructions as to how to camp. About 2.2 million people, the 12 tribes to the east and western, sorry, east and west, north and south. And, the, and all these tribes and pitched their tents right in the middle. What's God saying? What was God saying? I want to be with you. I want to be where, I want to be amongst my people and your lives revolve around me. God right in the center. If you look at the picture in, in how the, he camped, if you had a drone and you went up, it's a symbol of a cross with God stand right in the middle and people stand around. I want to encourage you to rearrange your life that God is in the center of your life. And uh, there's a great richness. But of course, if God is in the center of your life, it will reflect in your mindset, in the thinking, what is, how do we live with God in the center of your life? We, we are not perfect people. God knew that. That's why they had sacrificial system. For us, we have got one sacrifice, which is Jesus. One high priest who mediates for us, that is Jesus. That is why John, writing in his letter, says, If any man sin, let him confess his sins. He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Don't, don't sit on your high horse or don't sit in the bubble of guilt and think like, I don't know how to break free. Just, just come and say, God, you know that, that picture I told you about one of our children when they were little. Clean clothes, blaze castle, first puddle, fall down, muddy, and what do they do? Mommy. 
And Clara said, you monkey pup, and cleaned you up. He didn't say, what a stupid kid you are. He doesn't say that. Always patient, always kind. So I want you to picture that when you mess up, don't, don't waste time, don't hang around, don't hide from church, don't hide from home group, don't hide from your spouse, don't hide from your friend. Just come up and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. He's, he's willing. He wants to cleanse his children because you are his children. Okay, let's go a bit further. Moses had this special privilege. Jesus has a special privilege. Through him we have access. Let's move down to verse 3. Moses came and told the people all these words and all the judgments, and the people answered with one voice. What did they say? All the words which the Lord has said we will do. Wow. That's good. And then what does Moses do? He knows that people have got a great forgettery, so he writes these words down. He gets up early in the morning. What does he do? He builds an altar, and then he puts 12 pillars. So what happens is, Moses writes them down. He gets up early in the morning. He builds an altar. We have already spoken about what an altar is. It's a communication point with God, a place of worship. 12 pillars. Children of Israel and also the patriarchs, whenever they traveled, when anything, something of significance happened, in order to put a marker, they put a stone pillar there. It's fine that Jacob does that when he's run, running away from Esau. In, he he uh, is sleeping in, out back with a stone for his pillow. He has that dream or this vision of stairway to heaven. Angels descending and ascending. He gets up next morning and he says, Whoa, God is in this place. I didn't know it. And he called that place Bethel or Bethel, which means house of God. What does he do? He puts a pillar. What do they do when they cross Jordan? Put some rocks from Jordan River. Just a reminder, constant reminder. That's the habit of the children of Israel. So here's 12 pillars representing the 12 sons of Jacob and the, and the young men of the children of Israel offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings. Sometime I will do Leviticus and I will show you the significance of each of these. But for now, burnt offering was an offering uh, that was totally consumed. And when you're, you're saying that I'm bringing this, I'm completely yours. I'm at your disposal. Then you have got the peace offering because it's, it's an invitation of friendship. What do you do with friends? You eat with friends, don't you? Friendships are developed over meals. And uh, he takes half the blood, he puts it in a basin and, and then he sprinkles the blood on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant, read it in hearing of the people, and all the people of God said, we will do. Wow, three times they've already said, we will, we will. And be obedient. In verse 8, uh, Moses took the blood, some of the blood, and he sprinkled it upon the people. And I want to just zoom in on these words. 
This is in verse 8 of chapter 24. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to his words. Let's quickly jump to Luke 22 and then I'll round up. In Luke 22, yeah, Jesus institutes that last supper. I want to zoom in on verse 20. Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. Can you see the picture there? Old Testament, all the things that happened in the Old Testament is shadow of things to come. The substance is Christ. So it's not just lovely stories for story's sake. Everything is screaming out loud. Jesus, the Christ of God. So here you are. That will bring me to the communion part. Michael, come and do the communion in a moment. So I'm just setting the scene. Once you know that he has invited you and he has redeemed you, carried you, set you free, he invites you to a place of friendship with him, and what's our right response? Yes, we will follow you and we can start the journey. Rearrange your life. Maybe today you can examine your lives just before you partake of the communion. Michael will come and explain a bit more. And remember, uh, he has made the space for you. God bless you.